Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Thank you, band. And now I got to preach. I mean, you set me up well, but I'm tired. (laughs) That's the goal. Wear us out by worship. I love it. How's everyone doing? Good. (laughs) You look good? You ready? Ready to go? I'm ready. I told Chris this Wednesday, or Wednesday, Sunday night preaching thing is challenging because all day long I'm like, you know, geared up and I had to go power wash my drive this morning because I had way too much energy inside of me. So if it comes out up here, I'm not apologizing for that. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit takes over. How many of you like gifts? Tell me, what's your favorite gift? Someone shout one out. Okay, one at a time. Money? Barbara likes money. What? Your family? Grace? Shoes? House plants? This, this half is so quiet. None of y'all say anything. Nespresso machine? Yes. Peace and quiet. Amen. A few more. Personal space, yes. One more. What? Visitors. Okay. Those are good. I'm not giving you mine. (laughs) A few years ago, actually many years ago, Chris and I had little babies. Um, I now have a high schooler, which is crazy. But um, we lived in this cute little bungalow house that had wood siding on it. And if any of you have houses that have wood siding on them, you know that they have to be painted. And it's not fun. It's not a fun process. And we didn't have any extra money in those days. And so, like, we couldn't hire a painter. That would have been the easy thing to do, right? But we were actually afraid that the city might come and give us like one of those yellow stickers on our door because the paint was chipping so badly on one side. I had anxiety over that. I am a firstborn rule follower, and that would ruin my week. (laughs) So we were trying to figure out what to do, and some friends in our church at that time found out about it, and they said, well, we'll come help you. We'll spend one whole Saturday, and we'll get it scraped, and we'll get it painted. It'll be great. Like, okay, that sounds awesome. So they came over, and we started, and we realized the job was way bigger than one day. Can anyone relate to that? (laughs) And we got to the end of the day, and it was like, thanks for helping, guys. (laughs) And we didn't know how we were going to get the rest of it finished. And we were like, well, Chris works full time. I have babies. Like, I guess we'll just do it on the weekends as we have time. We'll get this little house painted. And the next morning, actually two mornings later, because the next day was Sunday, Monday, this random man shows up at my house and puts his ladder against the side of our wall and starts scraping. And I go out and I'm like, hi, 
who are you? And he said, I'm here to paint your house. And I was like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy about that, but I don't know you. And he said, so-and-so hired me to come paint your house. And we found out that a couple in our church, you all know a couple like this, where you just, they're so generous, you feel guilty because they're always so generous. And you're like, I'll never, ever, ever be able to pay you back. Had hired this man to come finish painting our house. And they wanted nothing in return. And at first, it was hard to receive that gift. It was a big gift. You know when somebody gives you something and you're like, I don't know if I can take that. It's too much. Like, I don't think I can ever pay you back. Or you feel like you're taking advantage. Does anyone else ever feel like they're taking advantage of someone when they're trying to do something nice for you? Maybe it's just me, but like, it's hard for me. It's called P-R-I-D-E, pride. But still, like, it's hard. We finally said, you know, I called Chris. I'm like, do I let him paint? Like, (laughs) what? He was like, are you kidding me? Yes, let the man paint. (laughs) So we said yes, and we received the gift. But here's the thing. Sometimes learning to receive a gift is as important as learning to use a gift. You have to receive it before you can use it. So this series is called Navigate, and it was one that was just, I don't, there aren't words. It was like this idea, and this idea, and this idea, and then they all mashed up together. But what ended up really cool is that they all centered around gifts, this idea of gifts. And Tim did a great job a couple weeks ago talking about sales and how the church is like a boat with sales, and all the sales have a specific job, and when they work together in the right position, they create lift. It was such a good word. And then Mike talked about the Samaritan woman, and he just told us and shared some things that I had never heard before about her. That was awesome. Like, it gave me a whole new perspective on it. And he talked about how it doesn't matter where you are in life. Jesus will meet you there, and he will use you. He will use you and place you in, in, in places where you can be used. But the original concept for today's message was to teach on forgotten gifts, There are some gifts that we've all been given, but maybe we've forgotten we have them. So that was my title. And, you know, when we think about gifts in the church, normally we think about spiritual gifts, right? If you hear someone say gifts, you're like, oh, the spiritual gifts. And Paul talks a lot about those gifts throughout Lots of his letters to the early churches. Okay, let me give you an example. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Remember that line. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else a different sale, the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. 
It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So spiritual gifts, right? That's what he's talking about right there. They're so valuable. It's things like teaching, hospitality, caring for one another's needs, a gift of helps. Like, we're not going to go into all of those tonight because that's for a different message. But that's normally what we think of when we think of spiritual gifts inside the church. Now, I want to point out, he said it at the very beginning, your spiritual gift is not for you. Heart check. It's not for you. It's for them. It's for the church. It's for the people around you. And so the idea for this message is that there are gifts that we as followers of Jesus, we've all been given these, but we might have forgotten that we possess them. Or, even deeper, we maybe need to purposefully receive them. There might be a painter standing out in your yard ready to give you a gift, and you have to say, yes, I receive it. So we just read this in 1 Corinthians 12. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone, not you, he decides which gift each person should have. So we know who gives us these gifts, right? I just said it. Who is it? The Holy Spirit. So if you don't like your gift, or you want her gift, or you want his gift, or you want to stand up here and do this, take it up with him. Because he's the one that decides it. But along with spiritual gifts, there are these other gifts that we all have. And I think, I don't remember for sure, but I think this was Isaac Schaefer's brainchild. Yeah, it was. (laughs) We have these forgotten gifts. These incredible, useful gifts that all of us have been given. Not some of us one thing and another person another, like individual sales, but we all have the ability to possess all of these. Gifts like, you ready for it? Peace. A gift of joy. A gift of hope. A gift of, this is my favorite, having the mind of Christ. The gift of freedom. The gift of power, love, and a sound mind. Like, those sound pretty awesome, right? Do you want those things? I want those things. And just like we must accept a gift that someone gives us, we have to be intentional about also receiving these gifts that are available to us. So where do they come from, and how do we use them? How do we get them? Well, let me show you. Thank you for asking. This first one, it's so good. Romans 15, 13 says this. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his, listen, super abundance until you radiate with hope. How many of you want to radiate with hope? How many of you could use a little bit of perfect peace in a world that feels completely out of control? 
How many of you want uncontainable joy, even though your circumstances might really be gross right now? So you know, if you know God, you are filled with his spirit and you have access to all of this. But do you see it in your life? Do you walk it out? Do you receive it? This next one's my favorite. The mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 6, says, However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are, listen, in the process of being dethroned. Do you know what he's talking about? He is talking about the devil and all of the principalities that are in the process of getting kicked off. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of shining glory. Aren't we glad they didn't understand it? This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond your ability to even imagine, these are the many things God has in store for all of his lovers, for all of you. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. Are you sensing a theme? For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience, circle that one in your Bible, all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Someone, this is so good, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. So the next time someone says to you, that doesn't make any sense, you know why? Because you have received revelation from the Holy Spirit that a man or a woman who does not have the Holy Spirit cannot even understand. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For, this is my favorite part, who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. And we, listen, we possess Christ's perceptions. We have the mind of Christ. I mean, that's a gift. 
That's a good, good gift. And then there's freedom. Ooh, this one's so good. This is so good, you guys. This one, if we get this, if we get this, our lives change. Everything in our life changes. The Lord showed me something in this one. Ooh, it's so good. 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 13. We are not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. When Moses would go to the tent of meeting, he would go to the tabernacle. He would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would meet face to face with God. And when he would come out, his face would be shining, so much so that the Israelites were freaked out by it. They were scared of it. So he had to put a veil over his face. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined with the Messiah. When Jesus went to the cross, that took away that separation, that veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, and we no longer have to have that separation. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is what I think a lot of us have gotten wrong for a long time. Some of you would would repeat this. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. I think for a long time we've said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? We would say if the Lord is there, there is freedom. Let's read it again. Wherever he is Lord. So you might be free over here because you've given God lordship of this thing. But you might be really bound up over here because you are still Lord of this thing in your life. So you want full freedom? You make him Lord of everything. You give him every. Every area of your life, that is freedom. Wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. I'm not talking about a freedom to just do what we want to do. And that's like a soft freedom. That's like freedom for pansies. (laughs) I'm not even talking about a constitutional freedom, which I love. I am talking about a freedom that no one can take away. A freedom to live fully in who God created you to be. So what are the areas where you are still Lord of? Where are the areas where you are not free? And then this one. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is his protege. And I, man, I read this differently this time. I think Timothy was going through a rough spot when Paul wrote this to him. Here's why. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire 
of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. If he needed to rekindle something, it means the fire had maybe gone out or the fire had died a little bit. It means maybe Timothy was in a rough spot. It means maybe Timothy had forgotten the fire of God that had come upon him. It means means maybe Timothy had forgotten that he was called by God. It goes on to say, we all know this one, for God will never give you the spirit of fear. Why do you think he said that? I think maybe it's because Timothy was freaked out. I think maybe it's because Timothy was operating in fear. And Paul had to say, Timothy, that is not from God. The Holy Spirit did not put that on you. He gave you power, love, and self-control. Those are the things of the Spirit. We read these so often we think they're these superhero people that never faltered. I think maybe Timothy was faltering a little bit right here. Maybe he was freaked out by what he saw happening in the persecution of the churches around him. Or maybe there was some fear of man. Maybe there was some trouble in his church or to the people he was ministering to. And he was like, do I go over here and make them happy? Whatever it was, he was operating in a spirit of fear. And Paul was reminding him, that is not from God. The Holy Spirit gave you mighty power, love, and self-control. So we've been, giving all, been given all of these incredible gifts. But I wonder sometimes if we forget that we possess them. I wonder if we forget to receive them. So I'll ask you again. Do you feel free? Do you feel full of hope? Do you radiate with hope? Do you feel perfect peace in the midst of a lot of chaos and turmoil? When was the last time you had uncontainable joy? Or maybe somebody would look at you and be like, bring it down a little bit. Do <laughs> you know that God wants to tell you his secrets? You. Because you have the mind of Christ. These are gifts that have freely been given to us when we follow Jesus. But I think every now and then, maybe, we might forget that we actually can possess those. You know, I talk to a lot of Christians. It's sort of in my job description. (laughs) Who I think have no idea that they can have radiating hope and uncontainable joy, and perfect peace. They have no idea. And that got me thinking, why is that? We're promised it. Why do we not believe it? Why do we not operate in it? And I think maybe we may not be fully receiving these gifts activated in our lives because we are not in relationship with the one Who gives them? So I want to show you something. We just read over and over and over and over who these gifts come from. Tell me. The Holy Spirit. And the Lord was like, Heather, I want you to speak on the Holy Spirit. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to speak on the Holy Spirit. I did that last year. No, Heather, I want you to speak on the Holy Spirit. Really, Lord? I don't And the Lord's like, Heather, I want you to speak on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, my spirit, will change their lives. 
If they get this, they get everything. Do you hear me? If you get this, you get everything. So the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, right? He assigns us our spiritual gifts, and it's through him that all of these other forgotten gifts are also manifested. Here, stick with me. We are sealed with the Spirit when we choose to follow Jesus, okay? Ephesians 1.13 says this, And now you Gentiles, that's all of us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So when you choose to follow God, choose to follow Jesus, you're sealed with the Spirit. No one can take that from you. But let's go a little bit deeper. John 16 says this. He's talking to his disciples who have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Jesus says, now I'm going to go away to the one who sent me, the Father, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because what I've told you. I can probably think it was probably a little bit more like whining. Because I know that's what we would have all done. But in fact, Jesus said, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And I'm sure the disciples were like, that makes absolutely zero sense, Jesus. We've just given our whole lives to you. We've left our families. We've left our careers. We've seen miracles that you've done. We've walked beside you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to us. You've changed our lives. There cannot be anything better than you. It had to have made zero sense to them. And then Luke, in Acts, he's retelling the story. Band, that's not the cue. I forgot I had an Acts verse in there. <laughs> Luke is retelling the story in, in um, the first chapter. And so he says this. He says, Jesus instructs them. He's instructing. Oh, this is so good, you guys. He, he tells his disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift. I told you about the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you on water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then we know this one, Acts 2, 4. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And so everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift. Think about that. God gave him as a gift to us. And he, in turn, gives us gifts, spiritual gifts and these forgotten gifts. So we have this gift. We're sealed with the Spirit. But I wonder if the reason that sometimes we forget that we possess these things like a sound mind or the mind of Christ or perfect peace or freedom in all of these areas of our lives is because we've forgotten that we also possess the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe we've forgotten that he is actually a real person. I would like to suggest that maybe we've been given a gift that we've left wrapped. 
We know the gift's there, but we don't open it up and use it and really receive it. Last month, my family was really sick, and a sweet friend texted and said, could I bring you a meal? And I said, absolutely, you can. And when she arrived, I opened the door, and I received the gift that she brought me. And I didn't just set it on the table and leave it there and look at it and think about it. We opened it up, and we scooped the soup into bowls, and we ate it. And it nourished us, and it filled us up. And some of you have this gift of the Holy Spirit. You have him. You're sealed with his spirit. But you've left him safely wrapped in a box, undisturbed. Or maybe you don't want to be disturbed by him. So you leave him alone because you're afraid of what he might reveal that you then have to work on. You were afraid of what work he might actually want to do on your house. Your heart, your past, your present, your future, your addictions, your marriage. Or maybe you just think, ah, just I'm good without him. It's comfortable. Nothing seems scary. But some have it all wrong. The Holy Spirit has been misrepresented for far too long by people who were not walking in the Spirit. They were actually acting out of their own flesh and calling it the work of the Spirit. He has gotten a bad rep from people who were in it for themselves. It is time that we stop this narrative that the Holy Spirit is weird or uncomfortable. For far too long, people have labeled the Holy Spirit's work while they have been trying to do things for themselves. So they've called it the Holy Spirit's doing this, but it's really about them. Look, I've seen the Holy Spirit manifest, manifest presence lots of times, and it almost never, I won't say never, almost never puts that person under his influence in a spotlight, but rather takes them to a place where they are in deep revelation of what's going on in their own hearts and lives. So he's been hashtagged weird, scary uncomfortable, or just, that's a little too out there for me. And I want to address that. Yeah, sometimes when the Holy Spirit's presence takes over, it can get a little weird. Some people might lay flat on their face. Some people might dance around. Some people might shake. But is that really that weird? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's have an honest conversation about this, okay? I think we human beings do some pretty weird things without, without the influence of the Holy Spirit, and we call it normal. Let me give you a couple examples. This is, I don't know why, this is what popped into my head. We put grown fat men in tights, and we watch them tackle each other while we cheer. 
That's weird. I, I don't know where these things come from. We go to the beach and we lather ourselves in oil and we lay there burning our skin to a crisp. And we call it a healthy glow. That's weird. Come on, you've got to admit. So we do all these weird things all week long, but then someone mentions the Holy Spirit, we're like, it's a little weird. I'm a little uncomfortable right now. We come to church and we're like, I'm just going to sit here quietly and hope that whatever's happening over there doesn't splash over onto me. You know you've thought that. Some of you. But this is actually who the Holy Spirit is. Listen. Listen to how he's described. These are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Comforter, counselor, teacher, helper, strengthener, intercessor. It sounds like somebody I want on my side. I want someone to comfort me when I'm grieving. I want someone to give me counsel. Just this week, I said, Holy Spirit, I have no idea what to do about this situation. I'm really going to need you on this one. Someone to teach me the things that I still need to learn. Someone to help me. Someone to give me strength when I feel weak. And the list goes on and on and on. And if you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. But it's not enough just to have have him. You must engage with him. See, we are sealed with the Spirit at the moment of salvation. But it's up to us to be in fellowship with him. But I actually like a different word better. I like the word companionship with him. He is called our helper. You know, we can be a Christian and we can have no evidence of the Spirit at work in our lives. It's possible. It's possible that you can be a follower of Jesus, but there's no evidence of him, of the Spirit's work in your life. Because when the Spirit is freely in companionship with us, this is what comes out of us. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Lord gave me this picture this week. I saw two trees. The first tree on the left was a nice tree. Had pretty leaves. But in the fall, the leaves withered up and fell to the ground. And it happened again the next year. And it happened again the next year. And it happened again the next year. It was still a nice tree. But next to it, There was a tree that looked exactly like this tree, except it was full of fruit. And in the fall, people picked the fruit off of the tree, and they put it in baskets, and they took it to farmer's markets, and they sold it to the grocery store, and it got sliced up and put on tables, and it got fed to hungry kids. And it got made into pies that got taken to Thanksgiving and sat on tables when families gathered together. And it got made into jam that sat on pantries that lasted for years and years and years. And it got made into peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for kids' school lunches. And the fruit lasted and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. The effects of the tree went on and affected so many people year after year after year after year because of the fruit. And you get to choose. 
Is your Christian life going to be like the tree over here? It just does its thing. It's fine. It's nice. But it doesn't have any long-term effect. Or are you going to be like the tree over here, full of fruit, that goes out and affects all the people? So it's time to engage with the Holy Spirit. It's time to stop being scared of him. He is not scary. You know, the Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues and prophecy. Okay? This part, it's part of him. And I know a lot of you have a lot of questions about that. And that's okay. I promise you very soon we're going to teach you about that. It would be like someone describing me this way. Heather makes eggs for her kids every single morning for breakfast. And then they stopped there. And they forgot to explain all of the other aspects of who I am. And some of you have just labeled the Holy Spirit as this stuff that I don't understand and you've forgotten that he's everything else too. We've put him in a box that others have created. So how do we build a relationship with the Holy Spirit? It's very simple. It's not complicated. We acknowledge him. We talk to him. We treat him like he's real because he is. He is someone, not something. He is the third person of the Trinity. A couple weeks ago, Chris and I were so honored to be asked by our new mayor and our friend Tim Riggenbach to come to City Hall and give the benediction for the swearing-in ceremony for our new mayor and the new city council. And it was, it was such an honor to be there. But because I didn't want to be weird, <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, be that crazy Christian girl, I wrote out my prayer, which I don't know if I've ever done before. And I wasn't going to read it, but I was like, I, like, I kind of got to know what I'm going to say. And I started off by Heavenly Father. That was the first line of my prayer. And as we sat there and we said goodbye to the former mayor and the former city council and we honored them and they all spoke and it was so wonderful. And then we welcomed in the new mayor and it was a historic moment. We welcomed in the new city council. There was this presence of the Holy Spirit in the room that you could not deny. I mean, I was like, we were social distanced. So Chris was like over there and I I was like loud whispering, do you feel that? Is it just me? And I, I looked around and I, I could sense his presence. <laughs> and we got up to pray. And I was like, I can't not acknowledge him. I can't not. He is here and he deserves to be acknowledged. And so I started my prayer with, Holy Spirit, thank you for being here in this place. Listen, he shows up when people's hearts are willing to receive his companionship. He shows up. He was there. And I, as a side note, I want you to know that they may not do everything right. We may not agree with every decision that they make. But there is an anointing on our mayor and the city council of Peoria, Illinois. God is moving and working through those people. And we will support them and cheer them on and encourage them and pray for them. One last thought. In Acts 19, 
We've been watching in Acts as Paul travels around to all these different communities of new believers. He's traveling around, checking in on the churches and encouraging them and meeting the believers of Jesus. And he's, he's gone all over the region and he gets to Ephesus. And it says, most translations say a few believers. But this was something I hadn't seen before. Um, the Passions translation tells us how many you know, it could be a few hundred. That's what I would have thought. You know, maybe more than 30. 12. 12 believers. He finds 12 believers in Ephesus. God wants to work in you. Yes, he wants the masses, but he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants you to engage with the Holy Spirit. This is not about the masses. This is about you. And so Paul says to them, the first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? Listen to what their reply was. No. We've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to say, by whose baptism were you baptized in? And they said, well, John's. He shared us the gospel of Jesus. And Paul's like, oh, hold on. You haven't seen anything yet. And he lays his hands on them and he prays for them. And they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and they begin to prophesy and speak in tongues and their lives are forever changed. But we are not like them because we know of the Holy Spirit. We have heard of the Holy Spirit. But do we know him? See, we've been given him as a gift, but have we received the gift and I want you to seriously ask yourself that question tonight. Have you kept him at arm's length? Or do you walk in companionship with him every single day? It's time. It's time to stop being scared of the Holy Spirit. It's time to stop putting him in this box of, he's a little weird. It's time to acknowledge that he is in the room that he is with you, that he is for you, that he is your helper. And tonight I want you to do that. I want you to tell him, if you want, you can stay as the tree, the nice tree right here. But if you want more, tell him that. Acknowledge him. Tell him that you no longer want to keep him at arm's length. Tell him that you are receiving the gift. Tell him that he can do whatever he wants to do in your life, and then let him do it, even if it's a little weird.